Welcome to the Awakened Man Podcast, where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man, a repository for holistic health, red pill masculinity, and ultimate freedom. Today, we have a guest. We have Eric Levy. And Eric's going to talk about uh, nootropics and what they are and how it can help biohack your health and biohack your life. Eric, can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing well. Did I pronounce your last name right? No, you messed it up. Ah! You're so close. <laughs> it's close enough. It, it's funny because my we were talking before, my actual last name is Abramowitz. And when I was a comedian, I changed it to Levi because that's my middle name. Oh, yeah. And I was like, the reason I changed it is because nobody, because I lived in Boston, I was doing comedy. Nobody in Boston can pronounce the last name Abramowitz. They're like, why do you have such a Jewish last name? So I'm like, okay, let me, let me change it to Levi. That should be fine. And nobody could get that either. They say it just like you said it. So For me, is- looking at Abramowitz, I can pronounce that pretty easily. Yeah, it, it is very Jewish. But uh, Levi, Jewish. Levy, Levi, Levi. So I apologize for that. It but, looks uh, like you control the media, Eric. <laughs> so you were a comedian. What was that like? Like a stand-up or what were you doing? I did, uh, yeah, I did mostly stand-up. I did some improv, um, but it was mostly stand-up. I did that for about 10 years uh, between uh, Arizona, Boston, and New York City. So what was that like? Um, you know, I listened to, to Mark Marin and I listened to a lot of these comedian podcasts, and they, they talk about what it's like to be a stand-up and so forth. Uh, you had, did you have some hostile crowds? Oh, my God. I, I had the most hostile crowds. <laughs> I performed when I was in New York City. Uh, most of the time I was there. Um, I performed in a uh, comedy club that was right in the heart of Times Square. Yeah. And it was just like the most ghetto comedy club because it was so shady how they gave out tickets. It's like, I don't know if you've been in New York, but when you go to New York and you don't know what's going on and you walk around Times Square, you have all of these people selling you tickets. And, uh-huh. um, you know, they're like, they'll tell you like, hey, Chris Rock's going to be there. Jerry Seinfeld's going to be there. Dave Chappelle's going to be there. And then they show up and it's me. Yeah. And they are pissed and i mean it was fun like I, I got really good at doing comedy um but it was i mean the most hostile situation because people when they walk in when i'm on stage are realizing they got ripped off right right they're disillusioned did you ever watch the hbo show crashing which has pete holmes he's a comedian who's starting out and early on to get his first gig he's on the street giving cards and it's just what you said he's lying to people but he has to bring in his own business uh, to get these people in there for, for, for them to watch them. It's a good show if you have, um, if you're, with your comedian background and, and so forth. But, so you're from Boston. Boston. I, lived, I, lived in, I lived in Boston for, uh, for a couple years. Um, I grew up in Arizona and then moved to Boston, lived there for a couple years, and then I spent uh, a good majority of the last decade in uh, New York City. Wow. So, you know, I come from Texas and we, we Texans and the people in the South, we take pride in being genteel and polite and saying just hi to everybody in the streets. And I think when we go to the Northeast, it's such a different culture. Uh, you know, just the, we would say that the people over there are curt and perhaps a little rude. Would you agree with that? Or we just don't understand the Northeast culture and you guys are very polite. Well, you know, I because I, I grew up in Arizona, and I used to think the same thing about East Coast people. And there is definitely some truth to it. But living in New York, as long as I did, I, I'll tell you, like, New York, and maybe it was just like the post-Giuliani era, you know, when people had kind of chilled out and became a little more gentrified. But New York is full of a lot of real nice, helpful people. Um, you know, you get those kind of street confrontations here and there. You know, uh, in fact, those are just kind of like, how you do things, you know, people yell at each other on the street, and then you kind of go on about your day. Um, I found- uh, Is that borough York- specific in particular? Do you find most certain boroughs to be more rude or more polite? Um, 
Well, it's, it's different. It's like, because you, you, you know, everybody goes to Manhattan, but a lot of people live in like Brooklyn, Queens, and each borough has their own thing. Um, you know, the Bronx, it's kind of its own place. Staten Island's kind of its own place. You don't really, those aren't really destinations yeah. as much as people trying to get out of those places. Exactly. <laughs> um, but Brooklyn, you know, when I lived there, this is like the, this is like the, the prime time for like, like the show girls and that uh -huh. kind of thing where it was like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, transplant white people, you know, trust fund kids, uh, you know, so it wasn't, it was, it was more pretentious in like Brooklyn uh, than anything else. And Queens is such a big place, like where I lived, Astoria is like kind of the more metropolitan part of Queens. And people were always nice. I mean, you have some old school Astoria people that were a little more loose with the tongue, you know, but um yeah, it it just yeah. I guess it sometimes it depended. You know, Times the the Midtown Manhattan is more like touristy, so people are always trying to get you to buy something. And then you go downtown; it's a little more, um, a little more posh, like in the villages and Soho. And then you go downtown to like Wall Street in that area, and it's just business people. Um, you know, the thing about New York, it's just it, it's literally like a different world. It's just so very different worlds. Yeah. Um, and that's what I loved about it. Yeah, when I think of Staten Island, I think of Pete Davidson because he just did that King of Staten Island movie with Judd Apatow and he was just talking yep. about what it was like growing up in Staten Island, how it's like the cesspool, that's where the big landfill is for New York and how everybody's trying to leave it. Nobody ever goes there, probably because it's an island. And if you're visiting New York City, why would you take the ferry to Staten Island? I mean, at least to the Bronx, you got Yankee Stadium, right? But no one ever goes to Staten Island. Well, most people, actually, the Staten Island Ferry is one of the most uh, visited tourist attractions in New York because you basically go downtown, you get on the ferry, and the ferry's free, and it goes by the Statue of Liberty. So that's how uh -huh. everybody gets their Statue of Liberty picks. And then they go to Staten Island, and they get off the ferry, and they go right back <laughs> to the other side. I go, don't, yeah. don't, yeah. don't tell is me, it, like, is there a pizza place I can go to? I'm like, no, no, don't even look for it. Just come back. Just get out. It's kind of like me and the border towns down here in Texas. Like, you don't want to go to the border cities. That's where a lot of the narcos are, and there's just yeah. a lot of sex trafficking. It's just like, that's not real Mexico. Just don't even go. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's talk about your evolution here. So – Comedian to holistic health and all that. Just tell us how that how that came about. Yeah, kind of kind of weird, right? Um, yeah. You know my my comedy life was so um, I mean so savage, you know, because it was just a lot of it was a lot of just being out late every night, you know. I mean, I I wouldn't go to bed till like four or five in the morning most nights of the week. Um, you know, I'm out, I'm eating junk food, I'm eating, uh, I'm drinking coffee at like nine o'clock at night. I mean, it was just bonkers. And then of course, you know, drinking booze, smoking a lot of weed, you know, just a lot of partying, you know, cause you live your life in bars really as a comedian. And, yeah. um, you know, you have no essence of circadian rhythm, especially when you're, when you're living in a place like New York and you don't even see stars in the sky, you know, you just know it gets darker and then you're just lights in your eye. Um, so I started to experience not like, uh, so when I, I'll tell you the very beginning. So when I moved from Phoenix to Boston, I basically just road tripped across the U.S. for like five weeks. I was couch surfing. I was sleeping in my car. It was, it was crazy. And I started experiencing like my first health issue. I'd never had health issues before. And then I had like a really bad health issue. And uh, it was a digestive issue, which most of America is probably dealing with. And, uh, you know, I just, it, it was like a thing. I was like somewhat homeless and, uh, had the serious health issue and, and I went to a doctor and, and he gave me the old, uh, you know, three fingers in the pooper, uh, yeah. treatment. and, um, I was scared for my life. I, I thought, I didn't know. I was like, is this cancer? Is this like, what is like just that typical thing? So were you having like loose stool or bloody stool or just, just bowel issues, bloating? What were you having? It was internal hemorrhoids. It was, oh, um, uh, it was, it was hemorrhoids. And I mean, that's a thing that just, it like builds over time. But when you're not like conscious of your body, you don't know. I mean, I was just eating just junk food, fried food, you know, the, the stuff I would cook for myself. It was like, um, you know, uh, microwave dinners and, and just crap like that. And I was just eating terribly. And, and when I was driving across the country and I wasn't getting good sleep and I was eat, literally eating McDonald's every single day and drinking coffee and sitting for a long time, it was just like the perfect storm of, you know, your colon just to start, you know, not working right. And, um, uh, and oddly enough, this is the sickest I've gotten. And uh, the week before I left Arizona, I'd gotten a flu shot. 
So, uh, so it was kind of crazy how that all worked. And you maybe know, not was, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, the more, the more I learned, the more I realized it wasn't so crazy. Um, and I was literally, this is what happened. I was in South Florida. I went and saw a friend. He let me sleep on his, uh, sleep on his couch and we lifted weights. I hadn't lifted weights in like two months. And it was just kind of like the pressure of lifting weights, the stress on the body, the crap diet, the stress of what I was going through. And my body just gave up <clears throat> and I was literally bedridden. I couldn't move. It was like the worst pain I'd ever experienced. Like I couldn't sit, I couldn't walk. It was just like a terrible situation. Um, he basically kicked me out of his house. He's like, you can't stay here anymore. I, I went to the clinic. The doctor told me that um, I'd have to have surgery. And I'm literally in the parking lot. I had no money. I had no health insurance. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what do I do? I think I even like prayed for a second. I'm like, please God, like, what do I do now? And literally two minutes later, I get a phone call. And it was like a random person who had seen my, um, somebody had forwarded my profile on this website for couch surfing. And he's like, hey, man, like, I got a place in Miami if you want to stay with me. And I was like, holy shit. And I show up to this guy and he's like all into holistic health. And he was like all about eating a lot of fruit and vegetables and healing the body. He's like, I got a book. I was telling him what I was going through. And he, he started giving me like cherry juice and, and eating fruits. I'd eaten fruits in forever. And <laughs> then I, you know, kind of slowly started getting better. And then, um, and then I made my way up to Boston eventually. And that was like my first real big health scare that I'd kind of like, you know, kind of brought my own mortality to my own, uh, you know, to the front of my consciousness. And I hadn't really dealt with it that bad. And then a couple of years later, after I moved from Boston to New York, um, my wife did this. Uh, she, she started getting into holistic health herself. She became a health coach through IIN. And she had learned about this whole like microbiome detox thing. And again, this is when I'm like in the peak of just living in New York, you know, savage lifestyle. And what she, year is this more or less? This is like 2014, 2015. Okay. So I would say by then, you know, there are like pioneers out there, podcast pioneers, so forth, who are talking about the importance of the bio, of the microbiome and talking about like paleo diets, good for you. We're talking about fasting. So, I mean, that's in, that's kind of in the zeitgeist. And you said she was an IIN which yeah. kind of pushes all of that too, which is great. Yeah. But this was like, this wasn't even on my radar. Right, you know right, I mean? right. All right. I cared about was like, how do I get a spot at this dog shit sure. comedy club and, and perform for free for drunk tourists? You know, that was, <laughs> that was all I cared about. And, you know, she convinced me because it's like, you know, when you're married and, and your wife does a, a, a detox, right? That was like when all the detoxes were starting to get real trendy. It's like, yeah. I had to do one because it was like, she's like, you can't not do this if I'm going to do it because I'm going to tell you how good I feel. And so I did it. And like, I'm telling you, Gregory, like my life changed when I did this. It was like a, it's like a five day, like bone broth fast. And, yeah. and then you start kind of slowly reintroducing foods. And I was taking all these herbs and stuff, but I'd never done, I'd taken multivitamins and I'd taken like just terrible quality, like supplements from like Costco and, and Walmart and these places. And I didn't realize those things were even more toxic than they were healthy, but I'd never done like a protocol like this. So, were you, so you said you were reintroducing food. So were you doing some sort of elimination diet? Did you like eliminate gluten and dairy and all the, the allergens for like a week and then reintroduce them slowly? Or what do you mean by you're introducing food back? It wasn't, it, it was not even gluten specific. I mean, I, like I ate nothing but bone broth for five days. Um, and then, then when I started reintroducing foods, it was like vegetables. It was like, it was very strict. It was like, okay, for the next week now, after the bone broth fast, you can start reintroducing like, vegetables and the vegetables were very limited and then they would start adding more vegetables in and then eventually they were like you can add you know more solid food so it was like over the course of i think like three or four weeks you were slowly reintroducing foods back in and to be honest now that i'm a nutritional therapist like i probably wouldn't tell somebody to do that specific diet because i i think there's a lot of issues with it but it was the first time i'd actually really focused on oh the gut is a thing that i need to pay attention yeah. to yeah. You know, because like you're saying, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, you know, people started talking about this. But in my world, it like when my wife told me I need to fix my microbiome, I had no idea what she was talking about, you know. And then that's when I started learning about 
oh, the microbiome, gut bacteria, gut brain connection, leaky gut. Because I'm thinking like 2014 is probably like uh, Dave Asprey from the Bulletproof Coffee, those guys, uh, Mark Sisson from Primal Primal Diet and all that. They were really starting to pioneer and push all that stuff. And I think that's how slowly a lot of these things that were considered fringe, like bone broth, right? I mean, your wife knew about bone broth. That's how you started to, to take in bone broth. But let's and you, you, there's certain like ethnic cultures like down here in, 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 in Mexico, um, you know, they do, they do a lot of bone broth, but it was never really considered part of that kind of, I don't know what you would call it, cutting edge nutrition to biohack your body. But uh, yeah, so did your wife know about that? Is, that? is that how you got into doing bone broth and all that? Or how did you... She- uh, She's the one who who found out about it. You know, she's like, yeah, because she she got certified as a health coach through IIN, and you know, she's you know she's going through that route, and then they're talking about yeah. bone broth and gluten, and this yeah. is when we're both kind of starting to experiment with, you know, these different ideas of like, oh, you know, liver flushes and and detoxes, sure. and like, what does this all mean? And you know, we were juicing and. Um, you know, then we got a Vitamix and we started making these, you know, smoothies and yeah. like where we lived, we lived next to several like 24 hour fruit and vegetable markets. And they just sold like fresh fruits and vegetables that were all heavily sprayed with glyphosate, by the way. Right. And, right. Uh, but had no idea again, it was just like, okay, now I'm eating kale. Now I'm eating broccoli. Now I'm eating, you know, all of these things. Um, and then I just became more and more into like feeling good with nutrition and you know then from there i did i i was i read the the bulletproof diet and i was doing a little bit of i started you know doing fat and then i you know started watching netflix and i got into vegan and i was like a you know a staunch vegan for a couple years and then um and then about a couple and then a couple years ago i kind of you know i went through a program through the nutritional therapy association became a certified nutritional therapy practitioner and their whole thing is kind of more like the Weston A price route. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. so I started kind of, you know, going down that route more and more like uh, uh, more fat, more organic food, local pasture raised organ meats, uh, things like that. Do you want to talk about really quick about who Weston Price is? I mean, my, my familiarity with them is more of about his dental pioneering stuff, how he used to talk about how cavemen had better teeth than we did. And if you look at the, the teeth of of, of, of paleolithic man compared to teeth now you can kind of determine what we're eating and i know about his his kind of view of the high fat diet and so forth but a lot of people don't know who weston price is do you want to yeah i mean I, I will i'll be honest like i'm not the the greatest um weston a price scholar <laughs> um but you know the the idea is uh weston a price um i believe is in the 30s he was he was a dentist and he started noticing in like in his practice that all of these kids and all these people were coming in with more and more cavities yeah and he was like i like where are these cavities coming from you know like they just exploded and he did his he did his own research and he you know hypothesized that had something to do with the diet yeah so he started noticing you know about that same time this is when processed food started getting sold a lot more and it was it just exploded on the market and so he you know kind of wondered like well here in America, we're very civilized and we're very, you know, modern and we're eating all this food that's sold in these grocery stores and it comes in boxes and cans. And then he's, you know, looking at these ingredients and he's like, I don't know what these ingredients are. And he's like, well, I want to now see what, uh, what these more primitive cultures around the world are eating. So, you know, he spent a couple of years going around the world and studying these different ancient cultures, you know, in, in Australia and Africa, um, all over the world. And what he basically found was that not only were these cultures, obviously most of them weren't eating the food that we were eating here in America, but that their physical health was far superior to our health. And the way he was, was actually kind of quantifying like how good their health was along aside from the fact that they were in much better shape, they looked better, but he was looking at their teeth and he was looking at their, their dental structures and their jaw structures. And he would notice that, you know, you can look at, you can look, and this is about the same time too that the um, uh, the Western diet was infiltrating these more ancient cultures. So you know, I, I believe he called it like uh, like food of civilization or something like that. And you know, you had you would go to these ancient cultures, like he would see the um, like uh, 
like the Maasai is a good example in Africa, yeah. right? This ancient tribe, tribal culture. And he would see the Maasai that had never been exposed to Western food. And he'd be like, look at their, I mean, it's, you could not write a book like this now with the woke culture, you know, but right. he'd be like, look at these, you know, savages jaws and how perfect they are and their beautiful smiles and their perfect teeth. And, you know, he would look, you know, he would examine their bodies like this. has got great muscles. It was a little homoerotic and he'd be like great muscles and beautiful pecs. And he'd be looking at the women like beautiful birthing hips and, and smooth skin. And then in the same culture, you know, what they would find is part of the village, you know, down the road, they, somebody would open up a store and the store would be supplied with like rice and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, canned foods and box foods. And he'd be like, you can see the culture closer to the store, the, the, the tribes closer to the store, their teeth are, are rotten and their, their, their uh, jaw structure is broken. Their nose is more, um, uh, like jagged and they can't breathe right and their eye sockets are are more like uh you know indented or whatever and so so that's the influence of weston a price which is the more um the more traditional the culture is and the more traditional the foods a culture eats and, and he's the first person to talk about this idea of fat soluble vitamins because basically he said the difference between the healthy ancient uh, traditional cultures and the unhealthy modern cultures was they were get the ancient cultures were getting more fat in their diet and they were able to assimilate more fat soluble vitamins which are a d e and k and he called k his um uh i forget exactly the word he used but it was like essentially like nutrient x or something like that like vitamin x or something which was like the 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 the, the x factor in good health uh i think it was vitamin k um but that's the first time people started actually kind of noticing like, oh, you need fat in your diet. You need good sources of fat in your diet to basically make a bioavailable vitamin A, which is, you know, at the foundation of so many different metabolic processes in the body, you know, vitamin D, you know, everyone talks about getting vitamin D, but vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin and you can't really get it from, you know, uh, from plant sources. You need it to come from animals, you know, and and really the value in eating, not just animals, but like, um, uh, what's it like t uh, toad, a uh, tail to, to nose or something like that nose to tail, which is like you eat, not just the meat, but the way that the traditional cultures eat, which is like the organs, the liver, the heart, the kidneys, the tongue, the brain, the eyes. Um, and then, you know, you have so many cultures that have these beliefs that it's like, if you want to improve the function of the heart, you eat the animal's heart. If you want to improve the function of your liver, eat the liver. And, you know, that, that, that way of seeing the world is now actually becoming very mainstream in a lot of uh, circles, especially yeah, amongst like the paleo, the keto. Yeah, yeah, because I think a lot of them are bringing it back. Because, I mean, I think it's still considered fringe, you know, the, the whole West. Like, if you ask a typical American who he is or what he represents, most people don't know. Just like Linus Pauling pushing vitamin C, you know, IV vitamin C, most people don't know about that. And then go back to the importance of fat. Then you have Ansel Keys come, you know, come around maybe 10, 15 years later. And he's the one that's pushing grain, how fat's bad, saturated fat's bad. And he, he was the one that was one of the big pioneering pushes to change the, the way we eat and the food pyramid, how we're supposed to have six to 11 servings of grains and carbs. And if you ever look at the food pyramid, like I grew up with in the 80s, it's astonishing because in the six to 11 servings, cereal is in there. I mean, they have a picture of kids' cereal. So we're supposed to be eating, and it's not even like accurate, six to 11 servings. I mean, how wide-ranging is that? But yeah. that's, that's what we're supposed to be eating the most of is grains. And a lot of that was Ansel Keys. And you, you see like people like my parents' generation, my mom's 80, they still will drink, they'll buy skim milk because they are raised in that paradigm that fat makes you fat and that we need to go high-carb, low-fat. And a lot of that was Ansel Keys and his propaganda and only now in the last 10, 15 years, do you see that kind of being displaced, that that food pyramid made us look like a food pyramid. And now you're going more toward the actually, you know, maybe we need to eat a lot more fat, like Weston Price said, and kind of do more of a low carb keto thing. But to, to kind of unlearn what they've learned to quote Yoda, it's so hard, especially in the older generations, because they'll still buy the sugar-free jello, the sugar-free jam. They won't use butter, right? They still use margarine. They use industrial grade vegetable oil and all these things that you and I know are so inflammatory. But the older generations, it's almost lost cause. And I, and I attribute a lot of it to Ansel Keys. 
Oh yeah, absolutely agreed. Uh, and again, I'm not like the foremost Ansel Keys scholar, but um, it's just incredible. Like one plus one equals two logic, which is like fat makes you fat. Duh. You know, <laughs> fat gives you a heart attack. Duh. And I will say there is, there is some truth to that. You know, the, the, what is it? The, the road to, to evil is paved with good intentions or right. whatever. Um, which is like, okay, so there is an issue with people were getting heart disease and they're like, where's all this heart disease coming? And I don't know why they chose Ansel Keys to be the main researcher on that, you know, but somehow his word became law of the land, which yeah. is, and then, you know, he did the seven country study right. and he was very, he left out all of the other stuff where it was like, well, you know, he visited, uh, what's it, places like Italy and he found, well, they have, they don't eat a lot of meat. And they don't have a lot of heart disease because he went during Lent and they all gave up meat, you know, and uh, these different countries that they just, there was all this other context. And then he didn't look at the countries that were eating a lot of meat, but did not have a lot of heart disease. Like the know? Eskimos, right? Like the Eskimos eat a disproportionate amount of fat and, you know, they're, they're pretty healthy, at least until until Western food uh, got up there. I used to live in Alaska. And if you ever go to the, the bush country where the, the Inuit live, I mean, they're all overweight and they have, you know, they're, 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 they're beset with health problems, but it's mostly because of, of the Western diet. But so let's, let's go on to uh, so what you got, how did you focus on nootropics exactly? Well, after I became a uh, certified nutritional therapy, you know, I was, I, I really started getting into, you know, exploring all of these different parts of holistic health. And I would say that my time as a comedian really influenced the, what I wanted to focus on because, you know, when you're a comic, I, I mean, I'll just put it out there. <laughs> you're surrounded by people with mental health issues, you know, that's, <laughs> that's basically all comedy. Like I, I haven't had a friend who didn't have, you know, issues with uh, depression or anxiety. And a lot of people have it to some degree worse than others, you know? And that's what makes the comedians good is they, they can tap into that early childhood trauma or whatever addictions they have. Is, is that, is, is that what makes them so great? I think, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I, I, you know, you'll hear some people say, well, no, I mean, it, it's, it's two sides. It's kind of like, it's a, it's a skill, it's a craft, it's a, it's an art, you know? Um, but then, you know, it's like, what is your, what is your base? What is your core? And a lot of, a lot of comedians core are, is childhood trauma, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like serious trauma. It could just be like mom and dad got divorced or whatever. Like that's my case, you know, or it could be whatever. Right. Um, and, and then there's some kids that grew up perfectly normal like jerry seinfeld didn't have a traumatic childhood he had a very you know suburban upbringing in long island um but uh but just kind of being around just just kind of constantly being exposed to this idea of mental health and, and cognition and i started uh you know kind of hearing more about nootropics and bio you know this whole biohacking thing has really been growing in the last couple of years especially sure. and uh you know i started getting really into the idea of the gut brain connection because yeah. for me the gut was learning about gut health was my main introduction into holistic health you know because not, for me it was the gut health that that changed everything why don't you elaborate on on the gut brain connection because a lot of people don't know about that sure so it's very interesting you know this is this is research that's only really been coming out in the last 20 years or so you know they I think it was in 2008 or 2009, maybe it was 2010, they finally mapped out the human genome. And essentially what they found was that the brain has all of these, uh, you know, connections directly to the mind, directly to the brain. You know, this is the enteric nervous system. This is the vagus nerve, right? Like what's going on in your, in your brain is a direct reflection of what's going on in your gut. 90% of the serotonin that is in your brain is made in your gut. Um, I believe... 50% of the dopamine that's in your brain is made in your gut. GABA that ends up in your brain is made in your gut, you know? So all of these necessary neurotransmitters for optimal um, mental health are made in your gut, which is bonkers, right? Because people don't think about that. You know, if you think you have a mental health disorder, you go get drugs that specifically target receptors in your brain. So, you know, again, when I was a comedian and I did this microbiome uh, detox or whatever, I mean, I, I can tell, I know exactly when it went from, I was also being a depressed, overly anxious comedian to 
a not depressed, still somewhat anxious comedian, you know? Um, but it, I could feel it in my mental health and that's when everything started to change. And I started diving more into the, the health of the microbiome. Um, and you know, the more you dive into it, the more you see not just the enteric nervous system, you see this phenomenon of leaky gut, which is essentially, um, which is essentially a, another kind of newer phenomenon. A lot of people get this thing about leaky gut really kind of backwards because they say, well, your gut can never be leaky. And that's not true. Your gut is actually biologically designed through these tight junctions to open. It's a, it, it's a pretty crazy evolutionary process. But what happens is when you eat food, the, gut jun- the tight junctions in the gut open up and present the food to your immune system, which lives on your gut. 80% of your immune system lives on the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, the gall. And so, uh, so the food or the particles get presented to the gall, and then the immune system decides how it's going to react. And in an ideal situation, if you're eating a diet that's full of, you know, good quality foods, the gut's going to be like, yeah, that's fine. Let it go through. Or the uh, uh, immune system's going to say, that's fine. Let it go through. But in a lot of cases, when you're eating what we would consider high inflammatory foods, if you're eating processed foods, if you're eating high sugar, for so many people, it's gluten, it's casein. The immune system sees that and it freaks out and it, it basically tags it as an invader, uh, as a foreign invader. And then the immune system goes crazy and it starts attacking um, different organs in your body. This is known as autoimmune disease. Um, so again, leaky gut is a necessary process. It's when it becomes chronic due to a bad diet. I mean, you're literally pouring chemicals in your body, whether it, you know, for a lot of people, it's soda, processed food, gluten, whatever it is. Um, you're driving your immune system crazy because this is how the immune system works. This is um, one of the arguments behind vaccination is that aside from the argument that perhaps there's formaldehyde and aluminum and all these, these, these heavy metal toxins they put in it is that many times when you get, when you take the vaccine, it just, it overstimulates the immune system, right? And this is why you see that many times when people take vaccines, they end up having autoimmune issues later on in their life, whether it's, you know, Crohn's or Hashimoto's with the thyroid or something like that. It's like you wake up the immune system and uh, it doesn't turn off. It gets discombobulated, so to speak. But let's back up. For people who don't know anything about the microbiome, Go give like a one minute description of why the microbiome is important. Like what's going on? Let's talk about prebiotics, probiotics, all these things. Because you guys don't know, if you haven't scrolled down, episode one of The Awakened Man, and back then, God, I don't even know what title it was. I think it was Naturopathic Earth Radio. I've renamed this podcast like five times. But episode one is on prebiotics or probiotics or the importance of the microbiome. So that kind of tells you how how I, I feel it's very important. But if you, can you just, if you had to talk like a two minute description of the microbiome and probiotic bacteria, what's going on down there? The microbiome is an ecosystem, right? I mean, it's an alien world that we really don't know a lot about. We're still learning every single, I would say day, new studies are coming out that talk about what's going on in the microbiome. It's basically an ecosystem of bacteria, fungus, parasites and i mean essentially they're controlling how your gut works it's controlling your nervous system it's controlling your immune system um and essentially you know when it comes to the bacteria down there it's like you have good bacteria you've got bad bacteria i think it's a spectrum it's not like something's 100% good or 100% bad because what can be good can turn bad vice versa and it's not like you're trying to get rid of all the bad because you need the symbiotic relationship of the good working with the bad. I always compare it to like, like I love 80s rock, you know? Yeah. And it's like every hair band, you know, they have their like hearts, like Motley Crue has like, you know, girls, girls, girls and Dr. Feel Good. But then they also have Home Sweet Home, right? <laughs> it's like they slow it down. Yeah. yeah, you gotta have like, you gotta have these, the, the, the bad bacteria to make the good bacteria stronger. You need to have the ballad to remember how, how hard the hard songs are, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they work kind of together. And then you have fungus and, and, and people talk a lot about candida. Candida is essentially fungus in your, uh, in your gut. And everybody's fighting candida. But the fact is you actually need candida. You need it to be in there working together with the bacteria. It's when the candida oh, uh, um, becomes chronic and grows to be too prevalent. And then parasites, everybody has parasites in their gut. And they work symbiotically with the bacteria and the fungus. So essentially, your, your, your microbiome 
is a is an alien world, an ecosystem where all of these different you know um, uh, these different organisms are living and essentially controlling almost every function of your body. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I mean, even before I knew about it, like when I learned about it, it's like this epiphany. It's like, oh my god, I have this alien world of trillions and trillions of microbes in my gut and on my skin, you know, in other places as well. It's just it's just crazy. So let's go to nootropics. So what is it? How did you, what, if you had to define that, what is it? Nootropics are basically brain supplements. Okay. And, you know, what you have here is, and you have different, you, you have different kinds of nootropics, right? Like you have kind of the more innocent nootropics, which are, you know, just the straight up supplements, you know, the, the herbal supplements like the ashwagandha, the rhodiola, the bacopa monnieri. Yeah, you get into the mushroom um, nootropics, like the lion's mane, the cordyceps. Um, you have the choline nootropics, which are like the CDP choline, the alpha GPC, even something like phosphatidylcholine. Um, then you have this uh, classification of uh, smart drugs, which are more prescription drugs, like the modafinil, uh, which is probably the most famous um, nootropic because it was like the, the idea behind the movie Limitless. With yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny and, that you mentioned limitless because that's the example I use when I tell people like when I'm fasting, like in the morning right now, how my brain feels. And it's not like I'm learning Chinese and, you know, speed reading like he does in that movie. But I think that's like the closest I can describe what fasting feels like to me because I don't, I don't do nootropics. I don't, I've never taken any of these, these herbs and so forth, but uh, go ahead. But yeah, so, so, so that, that buzz you get from doing, um, you know, doing fasting, which is, a great way to do it. Um, you know, people, people are into like, how do I hack my brain? Yeah. And the fact is, is people are dealing with a lot of mental issues. And the, the, the part that I'm trying to bring to the nootropic conversation, you know, isn't the benefit of using these different supplements, but it's how do you get more out of these supplements, right? Like the problem is, is around the nootropics community and most of it's online, you know, it's, it's really kind of like in the dark corners of Reddit, you know, and it's these different Facebook groups. I have a Facebook group all about nootropics. Um, people are using a lot of stuff, you know, there, it's kind of like that thing. Like when you go to GNC, you go to a health food store and you start seeing this, you know, the, the supplement, um, you know, kind of aisles, you know, it's like, this is for your liver health and digestion health. And, uh, that's kind of how nootropics are where it's like, these are the things that are going to help your memory. These are the things that are going to make you happier. These are the things that are going to boost your serotonin. These are the things that are going to help you sleep better. And what happens is, is people just start taking more of that stuff. And before you know it, you have a, a, a $200 a month nootropic habit, right? Because you're, you're pouring all of these and high doses of this stuff, by the way. Because the thing people forget is here in America, we have a motto. If something works, the more is better, right? Right, so right. Like down here, it's using... like Texas-sized Texas platters, right? The bigger the exactly. food, the bigger the platter, the better, right? You can't have too yeah. much of anything. Yeah, so people have like Texas-sized platters of nootropics, <laughs> and it's bonkers. And the, the, the only reason I see this as an issue is because I see people taking this stuff, and they'll list like seven different things, and they'll be like, I still feel like shit. And to me, that's, there's a lot of problems with that because these are powerful substances if used correctly. And sometimes it's a mix of, well, not every time more is better. Sometimes less is more. Um, you know, if you know anything about homeopathy, like the whole idea with homeopathy is, you know, you're actually supposed to take less of the thing. They give you smaller doses because it's supposed to essentially go in and make your body react to it and make your yeah. body give you the effect, you know? It's, it's interesting because homeopathy is, is even considered controversial in a lot of the branches of, of kind of naturopathy too. Do, do, they, do they advocate homeopathy over at IIN? That I don't know. Hmm. I didn't, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they, I think they talk always, a lot about. There's always squabbing. Like if you talk to a naturopathic doctor, some of them are like homeopathy is legit and others are like that's quackery. So you, you see, People that are in a branch of medicine that's considered quackery by allopathic doctors, uh, lambasting or criticizing another branch of naturopathy as being quackery. But, I, I don't. but you know what's crazy, man, is, and I don't want to go too far off into this homeopathy thing because it's, it's not, I don't know much about it, but yeah. when COVID first hit, like, I don't know if you use Google Trends, no. but uh, I, use, I use Google Trends a lot. I, like, really, anytime I think of an idea, I'm like, let's see how many people are Googling this. Yeah. It's an incredible tool. It's for free. And you can see like what the world is really Googling. And when COVID first hit in March, I went and I typed homeopathy into Google Trends. And I 
I'm not even exaggerating. We're talking hockey stick growth. Like, you know, for five years, I mean, maybe a few fringe people were talking about homeopathy and then COVID hit. And it was like the, the amount of people, I mean, it multiplied 10, 20 times the amount of people Googling homeopathy when COVID hit because they all, because as much as people say homeopathy is quackery and it's, it's, you know, pseudoscience and all this stuff, the second a pandemic hits, people are trying to find what's the deal with homeopathy. So well, I think there's, there's certain credence to like, if you listen to Joe Rogan, I'm not a necessarily a big advocate of his. He does embrace biohacking quite a bit, but he made a great point. It's like, while everybody is in lockdown and sheltering in place and just waiting for the vaccine, why don't we do things that optimize and tap into our immune system? And I think maybe that's why people are looking at homeopathy because it's a smart thing. It's like, we're stuck here. We're probably eventually all going to be exposed to COVID. What's going to differentiate me from the other dude who's going to get hospitalized. And we know some of the pre-existing conditions, but I think that's something that we definitely need to do is like biohack the body. While we're sitting around in our house, all these months, most people aren't doing anything to strengthen their immune system or strengthen their body in general to get ready for this. And, and I think, you know, maybe that has to do with people looking up homeopathy or just anything that they can do that will strengthen their immune system. Well, it's the quarantine 15, right? Like people are, <laughs> people are sitting there and, and they're eating Doritos and they're yeah, eating yeah, ice cream yeah, yeah. and they're, you know, they're, they're getting takeout or whatever. And they're just watching CNN and, and yeah. you know, panicking. And I just moved into, a, I'm living in Airbnbs now. I just moved into one that has a TV. I haven't had a TV in like 10 years. And uh, I was like, let me see what's going on in CNN. And it's just nothing but telling you you're going to get you're going to get COVID. Here, you're going to, you know, you look at how many people are dying every day. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. people don't understand, like, this is where nootropics come back in. You know, part of nootropics, my nootropic journey has been really trying to understand how your body's internal stress system works. You know, the HPA axis, the, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, you know, and, and it's a real, it's, it's a real function of your body. It's like when your body senses a, senses a stress, you know, like back in the caveman days, uh, you know, there's a tiger off there in the savanna. You see it. Your hypothalamus senses the temperature change in your body. Like, okay, there's a stress. Tells your pituitary to release hormones down your adrenal glands to release stress hormone. And so this ancient, you know, security system in our body, which was only used sparingly two million years ago, is now used every second mm -hmm. of every day. And the and when you sit in there and you live on. CNN and MSNBC and even Fox News, and you're looking at your Twitter constantly, and you're being told how everyone around you is dying, and everyone yeah. around you is getting sick, and it's just a matter of time before you get it, and you, you know, go to the hospital on a ventilator. People don't realize that when you're sitting there eating those Doritos, and you're eating those, you know, that white bread, and you're eating the ice cream, and you're, uh, you know, and you're drinking alcohol, which alcohol sales have gone up, right? Because it's in sure. uh, liquor stores are essential businesses, right? That, that what happens is the cortisol and the stress hormones in your body take those nutrients and they store them as fat, you know, and you're just gaining weight. And then when you become fatter, your, uh, um, your, uh, your different serotonin systems and dopamine systems start to start to slow down. You become more fatigued. You put a, more of a stress on your body. It's just a nonstop feedback loop of essentially sabotaging uh, the way your body works. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's really any added benefit from watching 24-hour news. So let, let's, let's go back. Nootropics. Okay, so for somebody who's never heard this term, they think, okay, this is something that's going to biohack my mind. Let's do two different routes. What is the most inexpensive nootropics that a man can take? And, uh, and then we'll go, what's, what's more high-end? Because you mentioned a lot of herbs that a lot of guys here probably have never even heard of. So let's, let's do like basic entry-level nootropics that are either inexpensive or maybe something that's already in their house. And let's talk about that a little, and then let's go more high-end or and, you know, so forth. Sure. So just before I get into that, let me, yeah. uh, I just want to go back to a thought I was having earlier, yeah. um, which is my, my personal philosophy with nootropics is the, the pill or the substance is only going to take you so far, right? And this is the mistake of constantly trying to add more if you don't take care of your underlying issues. So my whole philosophy with nootropics is, you know, if you want to get more of nootropics, optimize the function of your gut. 
Because mm-hmm. first of all, you're gonna start making natural serotonin, you're gonna start making natural dopamine, you're gonna start making natural GABA, and you're going to be able to absorb more of the nutrition that you take in. More of so if you're taking a supplement, you're gonna be able your small intestine's gonna be able to actually grab those nutrients and assimilate it into your body versus if you're if your digestion is screwed up, if you don't have stomach acid, if you're not breaking it down, if you have SIBO, if you have IBS, your gut is not actually absorbing those nutrients. So that's the first thing you have to do. You have to, you have to really work on your gut health. So, so really, really fast. So you, you would eliminate inflammatory foods or, or limit them. And then would you, would you encourage eating fermented foods and eating prebiotic foods that are going to help grow the microbiome or take microbiome or take uh, probiotic pills. Would you recommend doing that? Well, I wouldn't, you, you don't, the thing with people and probiotics is that, you know, they say I have a gut problem, take probiotics, but you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't start to address the problem. You can't fix the problem until you address the problem. So for a lot of people, you know, it's, it's different protocols for everybody. If your thing is SIBO, you have to treat it differently than IBS. If you have low stomach acid, then you have to work on that. If you have um, low bile out of your gallbladder, uh, you have to work on a, making more bile. And for most people, it's a combination of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's really about, like you said, getting rid of inflammatory foods, drink a lot more water. Um, you could eat some fermented foods, but everybody's a little different with that. You know, some people don't do, some people can't eat more than a couple foods without having a serious sensitivity. For some people, fermented foods um, triggers a histamine response. Yeah. So, you know, the best place to start is maybe doing like an elimination diet, getting yeah. rid of, all those foods, just, just, you know, Google in, uh, elimination diet. A lot of people do the carnivore thing and see a lot of success with that. Try that, you know, short term, see how that works, you know, just high quality meats, organ meats, eggs, and then start. I, I, and by the way, I'm not like promoting the carnivore diet. I just think it's a, it's a good version of an elimination diet that can help exactly. you start to identify inflammatory foods. Um, because a lot of people also can't eat vegetables and a lot of vegetables are loaded with on top of glyphosate, um, things like oxalates, which uh, you know people don't have the right gut bacteria to break down, and that can cause a lot of issues. So, identify the foods that are triggering your gut problems, eliminate those. Um, work on just being super kind to your gut. Allow your gut to start kind of slowly healing, and then start introducing some probiotics. Personally, I love um, spore-based probiotics um, from a company called Megaspore. Because these are probiotics you don't need to keep in the fridge. They're not going to live and die. They're not going to die. They're more bioavailable to the body. They break down. They're full of all of the crucial um, bacillus strains that you need. If you have um, a candida issue, which many people do, um, Saccharomyces boulardii is a good option. Okay. So, you know, and again, I'm not even saying like take what I'm saying here as gospel. Like you really have to do your homework as far as understanding your gut because these protocols are very individual, right? If you start I, optimizing, I would, say, I would say the other issue, like I, I know guys who are like, oh, this whole microbiome, oh, I need to be eating uh, probiotic foods. And they start drinking tons of kombucha, but they're still drinking beer. They're still eating junk food. And then and talking about probiotic pills, I mean, there's, there's so many on the market or on the shelves that are not high quality, but people are exposed as, oh, okay, this, this microbiome is important. And then they just kind of go to the lowest denominator. I think, okay, I'll just eat more flavored Greek yogurt. I'm going to drink this high sugar kombucha. I'm going to get this $5 acidophilus bottle from CVS. Oh God. And and they're not, they're not really like adding it all up, but uh, either way. Okay. So what are entry level nootropics? Sure. So, so you optimize the gut, get rid of the inflammatory foods, lower your, um, lower your uh, chemical, environmental chemical exposure, because that's going to build your toxin load. And then once you do all that stuff, some good entry-level nootropics would be, I would say more like the herbals. So something like ashwagandha, something like rhodiola, bacopa monnieri are good places to start. Uh, The mushrooms, uh, lion's mane is uh, really has no down uh, side to it. Um, It's a very popular mushroom. Rishi is a good calming mushroom. Lion's mane, by the way, is good for like neurogenesis. So like built essentially BDNF, like your brain growing more brain, helping to build neural networks so you can kind of learn more. Uh, you can soak in more information. 
Um, really fast. The, the ones you've already mentioned, where is the best place for people to get these? Would they go online, go to a place like GNC, even though I think it's going bankrupt, go to their grocery store? You talk about Rishi. I mean, where would they find these things? Where's the best place to find these things? The best, the best commercial mushrooms that I know of is a company called Real Mushrooms. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people love like the Onnit brand stuff and there's uh, like Four Sigmatic. But, you know, there's a difference in the way that these mushrooms are grown. And the most pure form you're going to find is at least, you know, when they've done these um, analyses, breaking down like the purity of the mushrooms seems to come from this company, Real Mushrooms. But a lot of people like the Four Sigmatic. That's a little bit more um, commercially available. You see that in more health food stores. So those would be my two top choices. Now, do you have to eat them raw? Do they come prepared or they come in pill form? Like what's the, what's the route that you, of administration you take these? Most of it is like powder form. Powder. So, you know, they have like, I know Four Sigmatic does a lot of um, like mushroom coffee, like, uh, um, like pre, what is it? Uh, like pre-grinded mushroom coffee blends and you can okay. just get them in packets and put it in your coffee. You know, you can go, uh, there's some good companies that do mushroom blends, like like supplement companies that I like. Um, like Pure Encapsulations is a good one. They do a mushroom blend. Um, you know, there's there's some good stuff there. Um, I have personally have a a full uh, an online dispensary, so you can check out my uh, my online dispensary. I don't know if you want me to send you the link to it or whatever, but um, yeah, I recommend some everything different... at the end. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So. Um, so yeah, but but the two the two top mushroom companies I'd recommend are Four Sigmatic or Real Mushrooms. Um, you know the uh, the the herbals I would say something like Gaia Herbs is really good, or Wise Women Herbals is another uh, good herbal company. Um, and then you know you start getting into this uh, this choline conversation. So choline is really good for uh for memory for learning for focus for mood you know col acetylcholine what the choline supplements do is they boost acetylcholine which essentially is the precursor to dopamine so uh or a precursor to dopamine so you know you want to build your choline stores and the problem is is people say well why don't i eat more eggs and that's certainly a great route to go um or egg yolks but you know, the thing is, is some people will take like this kind of cheaper version known as uh, choline by tartrate, which yeah. is you'll find in a lot of sub, uh, multivitamins. Um, but you want the choline that actually crosses the blood brain barrier and is more sure. bioavailable to the brain. So you find this in, uh, in like a CDP choline or an alpha GPC. And there's a lot of um, kind of side benefits to that too, as far as, uh, you know, they use these in uh in kids with behavioral problems and see a lot of success um so something like cdp choline or it's also known as uh city choline um or alpha gpc are my two top um choline sources or you can do a phosphatidylcholine which isn't the best for the brain but it is really good for the liver and the gallbladder as far as like making bile which is great for detoxification and um you know when you're detoxifying that's going to help you get toxins out of your brain uh and out of your body so that's going to help uh optimize your brain as well so any of those three versions are really good sources of choline um and then you have like the amino acids which um which are good but they can be overdone so i will put a word of caution out there like when people hear uh amino acid nootropics the first two they go to a lot of times are l-tryptophan and l-tyrosine they do L-tryptophan because L-tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin, which of course we know is an, a very important neurotransmitter. Um, but what people don't understand is that L-tryptophan in a lot of people can essentially get hijacked in your brain if, if your brain is not built to handle it. Um, it can get hijacked and go down what we call the quinolinic pathway, which essentially makes it toxic. Uh, so, you know, when you take L-tryptophan, um, you know, that can be kind of a, a, a iffy situation. Um, or if you are using L-tryptophan and make more serotonin, um, there's a thing called serotonin syndrome, which essentially is your brain overdosing on serotonin. And again, when you have these neurotransmitters, it's, it's a Goldilocks zone. It's not more is better. It's, a go it's about finding the right amount. And some people don't make enough serotonin, so they need more serotonin, need more 5-HTP, right? L-tryptophan is the precursor to 5-HTP, which is the precursor to serotonin. So, um, so if you are looking to build more serotonin, 5-HTP is your best bet. But again, you don't want to do it too much because you can overdose on serotonin. Google serotonin syndrome. Um, it can actually lead to more depression. It's, it's kind of messed up, but it's 
you know, the brain is a wacky yeah, wild I think I think that might be the concern of some men is like, you're introducing so many things right now, Eric, like these are all, they, these sound great. You know, I want to biohack my mind, but this is like a foreign world to me and I don't want to over, you know, overindulge and, and so forth. But how about this? If you have to be on a desert island and you can only take two nootropics with you, like the best all around nootropics, mm-hmm. which two would you take? You had to pick two. Man, that's, uh, it's tough. that's a question. That's a good question. Um, I would probably, and if I needed nootropics, um, I'm on a desert island. I would say the two nootropics I would take would be NAC, N-acetylcysteine. That's another amino acid. And it's just kind of like this beautiful amino acid that works, that is, the, is a perfect example of the mind-body connection because it boosts glutathione, but it also helps enhance parts of your brain. Uh, so NAC and, oh uh, man, give me three. Okay. So I'd say three. NAC, lion's mane. Uh, okay. I'm gonna give you my four. I, cause uh, it's so hard, right? it's breaking like, the rules. No, no, no. Let's do three. You got to take okay. three. All right. So I'm gonna say NAC. Yeah. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say L-theanine and I'm going to say, uh, probably lion's mane. Okay. Why those two? Uh, okay. So lion's mane again, helps build, uh, neural connections, BDNF, right? Neurogenesis. Um, L-theanine is an amazing calming, um, amino acid. So a lot of people like to pair it with coffee, with caffeine, because people will drink coffee and they get too like jittery and buzz. Um, L-theanine, L-theanine puts your brain into an alpha state and it calms your nerves. So it's good for focus. It's good for calming, but it doesn't make you tired. It really kind of helps you build more focus, you know, helps you kind of get into more of that flow state. Um, and then the NAC, again, you're building glutathione, you're helping your detox processes, but then you're also getting the, the ben- uh, mental benefits, which they've done a number of studies on how it's good for mood. It's good for, um, it's good for memory. So, um, and then, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, the thing is with amino acids, they're so incredible. They're so powerful. L-carnitine, if you're doing the keto diet, by the way, L-carnitine is the best amino acid to take for that because L-carnitine actually helps your body better assimilate, um, fatty acids. So a lot of people are eating like high fat diets, but they're not actually getting the fats to the right place. And L-carnitine is good for that. And for uh, women looking to get pregnant, a new study just came out recently that showed that L-carnitine actually helps improve um, egg quality and the health of your uh, health of your egg. So um, L-carnitine is a really good one. But again, you can get that through eating red meat. Let's, let's talk about this. So at the end, you're going to give your, your, all your information because I'm sure there's a lot of guys here like, wow, this is like a whole new world and, and I want to pick your brain. But how about... What, what do guys have at the house right now that could be somewhat considered nootropic? Is coffee, because I, what I hear is that coffee improves cognition. If, if you drink them out, it's a stimulant that helps with your memory. Would coffee be considered a nootropic? Like what are some things that maybe people have in the house that they don't have to buy these herbs and stuff that would be considered you know, mild nootropics? Coffee is definitely one for sure. Um, you know, caffeine, Actually, you'll see in a lot of nootropic, they call them stacks, like pre-formulated stacks, where they're basically like nootropic multivitamins. Um, you can buy caffeine as a nootropic from somewhere like Nootropics Depot. Um, green tea extract is a, uh, is a nootropic. So, um, and green tea uh, uh, matcha um, could be considered a nootropic. Um, you know, and honestly, man, I'll tell you, like, if you're like, okay, what, what can I start with? Get nootropic benefits but not have to, you know, rack my mind, like going through supplement online supplement stores and loading up a shopping cart with $300 worth of vitamins, eat high protein, man, eat good quality protein, eat organ meats, eat, um, especially like, and this could be hard for people, but you gotta understand this is, this is food is medicine. Um, beef liver, beef heart, those two things, you're going to get an incredible source of choline. You're going to get omega threes, you're going to get um, the protein and amino acids. That's the building block of protein. So you're going to get in a good high quality. And I'm not saying like go to your local grocery store and buy it. Like you have to go to a farmer and get this, you know, you have to get this from a high quality source, but um, you know, beef liver, beef heart, you're getting L-carnitine, you're getting taurine, you're getting, uh, you're getting natural sources of tryptophan, you're getting the nine essential amino acids. Um, So that, that's like the lowest 
point of entry right there, the coffee, green tea, and uh, high-protein diet. Great, great. All right, so Eric Levi, at, did I get it right this time? You nailed it. All right, so contact information. Where can people reach you? Of course, you have a podcast, Holistic Nootropics, but where can people reach you if they want to pick your mind or hire you? Or, or... Sure. So the best place to find me right now is um, holisticnootropics.com. Um, that's basically my one-stop shop for everything, you know, education pertaining to nootropics. I've got my podcasts up there. I've got videos. Um, you know, if you're curious about specific nootropics or, or guides nootropics, like what nootropics are great for ADHD or depression or social anxiety, yeah. I've got guides to all that stuff. Um, you know, we're building out, um, I'm going to have a course up there very soon. Uh, so if you're new to nootropics and you don't know where to start and you're like, how do I really like optimize my brain for peak performance? I've got a, uh, a course coming out very soon. That's going to be talking all about that. Um, so that's a great resource to go to. If you are interested in hiring me as a coach, cause I do coaching virtually like we're doing now, um, all over the world, you can go to ericlevinutrition.com. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also have a Facebook group. Um, I believe you can get that through facebook.com uh, groups. Uh, just search holistic nootropics and it should pop up. And then you have your podcast, correct? And the podcast holistic nootropics. It's available on, you know, Apple podcasts, Spotify, all the podcast players and the YouTube channel holistic nootropics. Yeah. All this will be in the episode notes um, of this episode. Well, Eric, we appreciate you coming on. I'm sure it was quite elucidating for a large majority of men who have who have no idea because one of the things about Awaken Man is that we're trying to hit all aspects of health. So psychological health, financial health. And this is a great interview because it talks about so many ways that we can optimize our, our health. And I think men are all about what, you know, achieving goals, taking risks, making money and optimizing and self-actualizing. And I think hearing what, there's things I can take that are going to make my mind work even better? Sign me up. So I think, I think this is a great interview because I think a lot of men are going to be really alert and intrigued by, by what you talked about today. Yeah, and I just want to say that, um, you know, especially for guys, like the best thing you can do is really learn how to lower your stress, you know, really learn how to control your stress hormones. Um, it's, it's even beyond like yoga and meditation, right? It's really beyond all of these, you know, kind of woo woo things. It's like, how do you actually physically lower the amount of stress hormone, cortisol, norepinephrine being put out in your body? That's really sabotaging all of these different neural networks. And it's literally physically sabotaging the way your genes work. And I have a podcast with a, with a genetics expert who talked all about this. Um, you know, how cortisol essentially sabotages your entire genome and doesn't just hurt you, but then it hurts, you know, your, your family down the line. It hurts your children. It could actually affect um, the quality of your semen. And, you know, it affects the way that your body metabolizes nutrients. So, you know, above anything else, before you start saying, how can I dive into these different nootropics and biohacking things? First, understand the powerful connection of the HPA axis and how to lower your stress hormone output. I think that's a, that's a great way to end it. Well, Eric, thank you for coming on. Uh, we appreciate it greatly. Thanks, Gregory. I really appreciate it. Hey, take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Eric. I thought it was really thought-provoking and, and interesting. I love bringing people on on a topic that I don't know a lot about. I don't know a lot about nootropics, and I like to learn from them and I like them to just bring it down to kind of like the the pedestrian level like if you had to give a presentation to a bunch of high schoolers about a topic and I thought he did a really good job kind of explaining nootropics and and why they're useful and why you should use them so definitely go go check him out and and and, and support him guys speaking of support if you want to help us out please consider donating some money through my PayPal link you can see it in the episode notes Donate $5, $10 monthly, weekly, annually, one time. Also, you can buy my two books on Amazon, Confessions of an Obese Child or Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior. You can get them on paperback or Kindle. If you need some one-on-one -on -one coaching on weight loss or purging toxins out of your pantry, contact me through the Clarity FM link found in the episode notes or at the main page of naturopathicearth.com. 
Again, it might be difficult to to spell that, but it's in the episode notes. There's a link in the episode notes. And if you really want to help us too, Amazon affiliates are is what we are. And if you go to any of the food recipe articles and kind of aligned with what Eric said, a lot of them are clean eating. There's gluten-free recipes and dairy-free recipes. You'll notice that there's going to be ingredients there. And if you click on those links, that takes you to Amazon. And you don't have to buy cinnamon on Amazon or whatever link that you use to get over there. You can search from there and buy something else. And whatever you buy, we get a 2% commission at no expense to you. Lastly, please consider subscribing and posting an honest review for The Awakened Man. And for The Essential Oils and Herbal Apothecary, we just released an episode on Wednesday about St. John's wort, whether or not it's safe and effective. And then over at Confessions of an Obese Child, we had that interview with uh, Will, the inveterate alcoholic. So go check those out. Until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Music attributed to Nine Inch Nails.